Hello and welcome to the Fingal Poetry Festival podcast. In these podcasts, in 10 minutes, you'll be guided through a poem and pulled into the heart and mind of the poet. In this episode, Afric Makeda. Ta en nærun ban en eshaun, elein slachta da her elanon, kaun a lapen at fogger he lowerch a mach, nach laurofa a mach. Is the chahen gemenix a clinic, onlan an lay, le hinin fawn on the rawhill, nor a atten a bale, a kelleg. Ekisha tog is neil a machtway, da at a gloon hain o moon fertile. Stevesonni er Jera an vantracht a fluchach glor avar la horish chi an dertil. I chlasim hu janem Jerach a mamo an tishgav rostu dein taraseki is i kechen a sule la kulna china marvach parsa am esabal tuhe. At home. Now and in Ireland, a woman is reading to her sweetheart's bedridden father, the head on the sheets imploring her, speak out, won't you? Open your mouth. And spends whole days at the clinic with her lover's darling daughter when her lips swell with stings. She must and she must not walk out. However far she's come from her roots, she's off their stock in the end. Women wise enough to drown their men's words with the sound of a tap. I can't hear you, John M., her granny used to say, running the washer on purpose and slipping a wink to the female company by the fire like a character in a rural soap. So I, I have a couple of specific questions, but I thought maybe I'd just let you introduce the poem first in, in your own words, however you would, if you're telling people about it. I was asked to write a commission a hundred years after 1916. And I noticed, I think I mean, plenty of people noticed that a lot of the celebrations were about the role of women and that everyone seemed to concentrate on that quite a bit. And... When I had the commission to do, I thought that I would write about whether things have changed that much for women in Ireland. And I think the only way I could do that, and maybe the older you get, the less you have to do this, but I thought the only way I could do that was to write about myself and whether I was all that different or how much, write about how much I had in common with my grandmother, I suppose. (laughs) Because like, and I suppose I probably picked up on that maybe the second or third time I read it. Because particularly when you read the last two verses, and you're talking about you know the granny giving a little wink and said, oh, you know, deliberately kind of ignoring the the husband. But maybe can we discuss that image there, like the about running the tap and where did that come from? Well, it did. It did come from my granny. Um, I never knew her. She died before I met her, but it was in the family lore that that was something she used to do that he'd be ranting away in the next room and that she would be inking at her friends by the fire and turning the tap up louder and louder. (laughs) But I think that's, I mean, that's absolutely it. Like we have all these kind of inherited ideas of what a man is and what a woman is. And like, yeah, just tell the woman (laughs) she's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> and she'll shut up. <laughs> and the woman treating the man as a child in turn, like a lot of that, I think, persists. <laughs> no matter how far we've come. <laughs> and then, can you talk to me a little bit about your own practice, about how you kind of set out to write anything? Because I imagine like any kind of artist, you do have to produce a lot of work to finally find something like this. So like, can you just talk me through what you do? Well, this is a very different year for me because before I was working for a publisher, an Irish language publisher, and I was working every day. So I did most of my work at the weekend or before work. And this is the first time I can take a proper run at anything. And so I'm three months in and I'm trying to develop some sort of routine. I'm going to the library. I'm copying from books I'm copying from the dictionary. But I just, I can't remember how it was done. Like, or how. Isn't it funny when we have the constraint of, you know, working at the evenings or weekends, we kind of, you know, greater output. So when you were kind of, to see if you, if you had two hours on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon, what would your practice be? I used to go to my to Marks and Spencers um, and sit in the window there. I just, I like watching people pass, of course, and I like watching their feet pass. <laughs> I was lucky in Marks and Spencers once or twice, so, so I keep going back looking for, <laughs> looking for another lucky break. But that's what I used to do when I had the constraints of a real job. <laughs> How did uh, this poem start? There were uh, a million drafts, actually, of this one. It starts with a song, Manon, a heron, um, even Kate Bush even sings it. But I knew I wanted to change that. The famous line in it is the ban in Erin. And I knew I wanted to turn it on its head a little bit and say the ban Erin, ban in Ishaun. But it was the song definitely was the first thing. Then I, I just did a load of, of different versions and then I gave up on it and then I came back. I remember being a, just a pain in the neck. I was sending it to, there's a poetry magazine called Cyphers and I remember sending, oh, just... Elaine Lucheladon, just my, I mean, greatest hero of all time. But I remember sending her about 20 different drafts in the space of a day. So that was that was one stage, but I think it had gone through about 50 drafts before that even. But. And I've asked this to a couple of poets. I always get an interesting answer. Like, how do you know when it's finished? <laughs> you read it tonight, for example. 10 or whatever, eight years later, six, seven years later, like, could you tweak it now if you wanted to? Or how do you, would you? Or Yeah, I do. I mean, sometimes I read one or, I tweak it sometimes when I'm reading it, one or two things I'm not sure about. But possibly because I find them easier to say, mm. not necessarily because they they serve it. Um, I used it's a very airy, very answer, but I do think that the poem says give up now a bit. Um, I can't say there are highs, like, because they're false highs. You can think something is finished and then you can return to it and realise, oh God, no, it was nowhere close. I think once it's in a book, I wouldn't go back so much. Um, I might, 
in in my head, but I wouldn't republish. I mm. think. Cool. And and then I'm curious. Then, what are your thoughts on translation? You know, if you're writing, if this is an Irish poem, inevitably people ask you, "What does that mean?" You know. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, how do you think about presenting it in another language? Well, I mean, the first thing I should say, and I didn't say, is the translation I read is by David Wheatley. Uh, he's a genius, I think it's fair to say. So if you have someone like that translating your work, I like, I don't know, there's a real trend now among younger poets and scholars. It's They're fed up with translations. Um, they, they have a bit of a mids-off feeling because the Irish language is so threatened. And it is, you know, it's having a moment now and, you know, an actor spoke Irish and that's great, but it doesn't mean that we're all going to wake up speaking Irish. So it's hard not to be a little defensive. But I think if I'm speaking for myself, there's no way on earth that I would have got to travel um, with my poems in the same way or it not for the quality of David Wheatley's translations. And I think seeing the world is a very good thing for a writer. Being given the privilege of sharing your language in other countries is a great thing. And the old argument, and I'm not the first to make this argument, of course, but everything I've read in translation has made, just has enriched me so much so who are we I suppose to refuse our language to anyone else Afrik maka e sanam dom akas tame e kopars in skrifnor kona filar Safalia ta en eren ban en eshaun elein schlachte da her elanon kaun na lapna fogertur hi lawrch amach nach laurofa amach is a chahan geminix a clinic, umlan an lay, le hinin von an rahil, nor a atana bail, a kelleg. Ekisha tog is neil a machtway, da ad a gloon hain o moon fertil, a stevesonni er jera, an vantracht a fluchach glor avar, la horish chi an dertil. Ni chlushem hu janem, jerach a and this gave us to the Paraseki, as the Kachan Asula, the Kulna Chinna, Marvach Parsa Am, is subtle to him. At home. Now and in Ireland, a woman is reading to her sweetheart's bedridden father, the head on the sheets imploring her, Speak out, won't you? Open your mouth and spends whole days at the clinic with her lover's darling daughter when her lips swell with stings. She must and she must not walk out. However far she's come from her roots, she's off their stock in the end. Women wise enough to drown their men's words with the sound of a tap. I can't hear you, John M., her granny used to say, running the washer on purpose and slipping a wink to the female company by the fire, like a character in a rural soap. Thank you for listening to the Fingal Poetry Festival podcast. 
Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to spread the word. Send a message in a bottle, tell your friends down the pub or write to us on Twitter at Fingal Poetry. In fact, we would love it if you wrote a tweet-sized poem about how much you love the podcast and the Fingal Poetry Festival. The Fingal Poetry Festival takes place in North County Dublin every September. And to find out more about the festival and to purchase tickets, please visit FingalPoetryFestival.com. Kindly supported by the Arts Council, Fingal County Council, Fingal Libraries, Forest Nagelga, RTE Supporting the Arts, Lara Poshti Erin, Laureate Nanog, and Poetry Ireland. We are grateful for the support by the Arts Council Capacity Building Support Scheme for funding these podcasts.